0: Another episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of In the Matter of an Application by Denise Brewster for Judicial Review, Northern Ireland. And the citation for this case is 2017 UKSC 8. This case arrives in court at the back of a very sad story involving one woman and her search for justice against an overly bureaucratic government. The applicant for judicial review, Denise Brewster, had been living with her partner, William McMullen, for 10 years when he proposed to her on Christmas Eve. Tragically, two days later, McMullen suddenly died at the age of 43. Understandably, Brewster was completely devastated by this, but one of the practical concerns that soon became apparent is what would happen to her fiancé's pension. McMullen had worked for Translink who provide the public transport service in Northern Ireland and he had also paid into the local government pension scheme. Now if the pair had been married this would not be an issue and Brewster would have automatically received a survivor's pension but they had only got engaged two days prior to McMullen's death. Even in these circumstances, it could still have been possible for Brewster to be eligible for the survivor's pension by way of a set of regulations from 2009. These regulations stipulate that McMullen could have nominated Brewster as his partner and then after the death, she would have had to have shown firstly that they had lived together for at least two years prior to the nomination and secondly that they had lived together for at least two years prior to the death. Brewster said that she had in fact been nominated for the survivor's pension when her partner was still alive, but the relevant authority said that it had never received the form. With all paths and options now apparently closed to her, Brewster took the question to court by way of judicial review. Querying the nomination requirement in the 2009 regulations for unmarried cohabiting partners when married couples and civil partners did not have to nominate each other. Although she was successful in the High Court, Brewster's legal challenge was apparently shut down for good in the Court of Appeal, where it was found that the nomination requirement was both justified and proportionate. During this time though, the UK government had been watching the case closely, and in response had removed the nomination requirement in England, Wales and Scotland. In the light of this, Brewster appealed to have her case reopened, and when this was rejected by the Court of Appeal, she appealed one final time to the Supreme Court where we pick this case up. Lord Kerr began by examining the human rights arguments, and in the first instance, both sides agreed that the survivor's pension counts as a possession for the purposes of the right to peaceful enjoyment of possessions under Article 1 of the first protocol of the European Convention on Human Rights. Furthermore, there was agreement that Brewster's status as an unmarried cohabiting partner was to be taken into account as regards Article 14, the right to non-discrimination. So the point of dispute then was whether the discrimination itself could be justified in accordance with human rights law. The Northern Irish government argued that it could be because the policy had the legitimate objective of identifying and establishing a cohabiting relationship. The Supreme Court, however, did not accept this because the two-year proof of cohabitation required by the 2009 regulations already established this. And so the formal nomination did not actually add anything. Nevertheless, the courts do have to be very careful about striking down any government policy that pertains to economic or social strategy, and this is acknowledged in the judgment. In particular, the decision should only be quashed when it is found to be manifestly without reasonable foundation. In these circumstances where the arguments of the Northern Irish government were very vague, and the policy itself bore no relation to the supposed objective, the Supreme Court had no problem in disapplying the nomination requirement. So, after a prolonged and difficult battle through the courts, Denise Brewster has achieved justice, and while this in no way makes up for the tragic loss of her fiancé, it does go some way towards securing her own financial future, as well as for those left in a similar position. If I can take a minute to make one final comment it would be about the distinction between natural and legal justice. From a natural justice point of view what happened to Denise Brewster does just seem inherently unfair, but courts cannot make decisions on this basis alone. The law itself has to be applied correctly, and nowhere is this more true than in judicial review where the courts are examining decisions made by the government and acting as a check on their power. The government, after all, has a democratic mandate, whereas the courts and judges do not. It's for this reason that matters of economic and social policy are particularly sensitive, and have to be treated with such care. In this case, it is true that natural justice and legal justice matched up perfectly to produce a satisfying result but we have to be aware that this is not always the case. In many judgments, the decision of the court can seem inherently unfair and go against what we see as being just, but this does not necessarily mean it was a bad call by the courts. If judges overstep their mark, then this can upset the balance of the separation of powers between the executive, legislative and judicial branches of government ultimately bad or unfair policy has to be punished at the ballot box and in the free press not in a dusty courtroom by unelected judges well thank you very much once again for listening to this episode of the uk law weekly podcast as always thanks as well to bensound.com who provide the theme music If you do get a chance, please leave a review of this podcast on iTunes. That would be much appreciated and helps other people to discover the show. Apart from that, nothing left to say, but I'll see you next week. Bye!